Hi, this is Pastor Josh, and welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is a place where people can connect with Jesus and with each other. And if you're looking to get connected, you can find more information at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from a guest speaker. All right, we need to take a survey. Pastor Josh does this every service. I don't want to be left out of it. So let me explain something to you. When my wife and I first got married, we were amazed at some of the things that we had disagreements, arguments, whatever you want to call it, about. One of those came, we got married in October, right? Yep, October. (laughs) 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 If I got that wrong, I need somebody's house to live in. (laughs) Uh, But we got married in October, and so, you know, first really big holiday was Thanksgiving and then Christmas and so we sat down and how are we going to celebrate Christmas because part of Christmas is giving of gifts and part of giving of gifts is what are we going to do with Santa and in my family Santa came every Christmas morning and his gifts were always wrapped in Marilyn's family Santa's gifts were never wrapped because He made them in the North Pole, put them in the sleigh, flew them down to Savannah, Georgia, and dumped them in the house. And I I didn't realize that was such a big deal because to me, it's just woman get in line and uh, we'll just, that's tongue in cheek, okay? Yeah, you don't say that to your wife. Um, I, I was able to see after the first. Uh, when I said that. But anyhow, uh, we had, you know, what are we going to do with this? And so I want to find out from you guys, wrapped gifts from Santa or unwrapped gifts from Santa. And if you never got any gifts from Santa at all other than a lump of coal or whatever it is because you were just never that good, you got to vote for one of the two, wrapped or unwrapped, all right? So if you received your Santa gifts wrapped, okay, unwrapped, three Southerners, <laughs> everybody else, Santa came to see us, so we're glad for that. Um, thank you very much. Obviously, wrapped gifts are the way to go. Thank you. All right, I I am speaking tonight on giving of gifts, and so I'm going to kind of talk to you a little bit because we focus sometimes so much on the gifts, and my wife, which I didn't know until years later, but she would go in and, you know, I wrapped all of my gifts in the same wrapping paper, you know, they were just all the same. And Marilyn did them different wrapping paper for different, you know, people that she's given the gifts to. And so I didn't realize it, but what Marilyn would do is, you know, we would wrap them, put them under the tree, and that was part of the celebration. And so while I was at work, Marilyn would go in there and unwrap her gifts, see what I gave her, and then wrap them back in (laughs) same paper. I didn't know any different. And on Christmas morning, I would just, you know, give it to her with all this joy and excitement. And she would act so surprised and so excited that she just is amazed that I got this for her kind of a thing. 
And then years later, we're sitting around, our kids were then grown, and Misty's talking. She said, well, Mom, you used to unwrap them all the time. <laughs> I couldn't believe she did that to me, you know, kind of thing. So I, I want to step aside a little bit from the giving of the tangible gift. And let's talk about other things that we can give, all right? Now suppose, just, just suppose, that you found out exactly what your life's calling was to be. You discovered that somehow or another. This is absolutely what God has planned for your life. Now for me, when I was a junior in high school, uh, I entered a contest of uh, art, and I won a scholarship to the Disney uh, organization. And I was so my my goal at that point was I was going to be uh, one of their caricature artists uh, that Disney had. And uh, you know, I was I was all excited about that. And then I met Marilyn, fell in love with her, and Disney's out the door, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm working for J.C. Penney Company in Pensacola, Florida, and I was in management with them, and my men's department was number three in the nation for two years in a row, and uh, they, they sent the vice president of the company d down to, to meet me and, and spend some time with me, and so my new goal is I'm, I'm God's called me. I'm going to be at J.C. Penney's, and I'm going to work my way through. And by the time I retire at the age of 26, I'm going to be sitting, you know, on, on the board there, and I'll be one of the vice presidents of J.C. Penney's. It's just destined in the cards of God for me to do. And uh, here I am. <laughs> never worked for, for Disney and never retired from J.C. Penney's. Put them out of business, but never retired from them <laughs> at all. But, but what, would, what would you do? If God came to you and said, I guarantee you, you do this, you'll succeed. I will walk with you every step you take. I'm there with you. What would you do? What, what would change in your life, if anything? W would you change vocations? Would you change... What you are doing or what you aren't doing, would you be much more outgoing? Would you be a little more reserved? Would you write that book finally and, and make it, you know, the bestseller on Amazon? What, what would you do if you knew in your heart of hearts that God said, I'm here and I'm with you and I'm walking every step with you as long as you're alive? So now I want to stop for a moment and give you a moment to think and build that picture in your mind. And while you're thinking about that, let me read Matthew chapter 28, verse 20 to you. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Teach these new disciples, that's us. We're, we're the new disciples. Teach them to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Now, I received a relationship with Jesus Christ personally when I was 14 years old. That was this call that God gave to me. And here's what God said to Ron. Ron, I'm with you every moment, every second, every thought, every drive, every job, every child, every birthday, every anniversary. I am with you, Ron, all the time, as long as you're alive. And I take inventory in my life, and I stand here this morning, and I have to say to you, there's areas of my life I lost sight of that. I, I forgot that. There's been been times that I have sat there with my wife and we have held hands in the bedroom or we've held hands on the couch and we've sat there and we looked into each other's eyes and we have said, what in the world is God doing? Where is he? I, I don't see him. I don't feel him. I we're praying and we don't even realize or feel that God hears our prayers, let alone answers our prayers. What in the world is going on? Now, maybe you've never been there. God bless you if you haven't. I'm just saying there's been a few times Meryl and I have been there. And the fact that we felt that way didn't change the reality of the promise of this verse that God was there with us. Well, I do want to go into the story of the birth of Jesus Christ because he is the greatest gift. Okay, the Bible says that God loved us so much, he gave his son. So that birth of the Messiah, the son of God, Jesus Christ, that was the greatest gift that could ever have been given by the Father to us mortals. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, Elizabeth is the Virgin Mary's cousin. And Elizabeth gets pregnant first. All right? And they're wanting to know what the name of the child's going to be. It's, I'll give you a heads up. It's John the Baptist. That's who she's pregnant with. But uh, she's pregnant, and they want to know what you're going to name the baby if it's a boy, and they all assume that they're going to name the baby after the dad. And the angel comes and says, no, that's not his name. His name's going to be John. And this is what I want you, the angel, Gabriel, Speaking to the dad, the husband of Elizabeth, I want you to name him John. And the dad says, how do I know this is really going to happen? I mean, we've been trying for a long time, and she's, she's not been able to have, have children. And the angel says to him, you'll never say another word until that baby's born, and you name him John. And like that, he lost his voice. And he was a priest in the temple of God. 
there's an important distinction here. She goes her nine months, delivers. They come to him. What are you going to name him? First words out of his mouth. I think he ought to be named John. So in her sixth month, Mary goes to visit her. Verse 26, in the sixth month, Elizabeth's pregnant. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village of Galilee. Um, I wrote down in, in my notes that location is not important. Whether my wife and I live in Nashville or the Cape is not important to whether God is with us till the end of the age. Whether I drive a Ford or a Dodge doesn't change the fact that God is with us to the end of our age. Don't get so hung up on the place that you miss the practice of following God. Well, verse 27 says that this Gabriel comes to Nazareth, a village, and he comes to speak to a virgin, and the virgin's name is Mary. He's speaking to a specific woman about a specific thing. Watch him. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Remember, what, what would you do if you really believed God was with you? She, she has an angel standing there that she gets to see him face to face, and he looks her in the eyes and he says, Mary... God has chosen you, and you're highly favored. Verse 30. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Why does she not lose her voice like Elizabeth's husband lost his? Because when the angel went to Elizabeth's husband, he said, that cannot happen. And when the angel came to Mary, she said, how are you going to do this? It's a difference of heart. Oh, God would never do that. Or, how will God do this? I've been praying for my parents for 45 years that they would come to a relationship with Christ. God's never going to do this. It's totally different than God. I've been praying for 45 years for my family to become Christians. How are you going to do it? You see, the job that you're given is not removed because of the hardness and the barriers that are in the way. Coco Chanel, I don't know whether she's a believer or not, Chanel spray-on perfume stuff, you know, 
Here's what she said. If you were born without wings, do nothing to keep them from growing. I love that. Just because you're born without, don't do anything that will keep you from being able to do it later. I remember as a kid growing up in a pastor's home, going to a youth camp every single summer. And back then, when the kids came back from youth camp, they had to trot us all down to the front. And in the church service on Sunday morning, we had to stand up and give our testimony on what Jesus Christ did for us during the week at camp. And I was a preacher's kid, and the only thing Jesus Christ did for me, humanly speaking, as a 16-year-old kid, punk, who's a preacher's kid, the only thing that I could see that he did for me is he kept me from getting kicked out of camp. <laughs> that was it. And so I'm on the front row with some of the others, and he starts over, dad starts over here, calls her name, they stand up, give their testimony, comes here, stands up, comes here, and I'm looking down, and I'm next, and dad looks at me and he says, okay, Ronnie, Stand and give your testimony. And I looked at him and I said, no. He said, no, come on, Ron. You, you, you need to give your testimony. Surely God spoke to you. And I said, no. My dad walked off the platform, came over to where I was sitting, grabbed me on either side of my shoulder, physically stood me up, turned me around, and said, talk. I have no idea what I said. I, I did not like public display at all of any kind. And yet somehow or another, God has taken the lack of wings in that moment and developed enough of wings on me that I love taking the word of God and sharing it in groups of other people. Don't live your life in such a way that cuts that kind of a miracle off. It's a blessing. That doesn't mean you're going to have to stand and give testimony somewhere. But it does mean that what God wants for your life that is unique to you, that he wants from you, God will make it possible for you to be able to do it. He'll grow your wings for you. Don't shut them off. Well, Mary responded, and she said, Well, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. <laughs> what a response. What was the result of her decision? I, I'm the Lord's. Do whatever you want. If you read further in the story, the Bible says that one night, about nine months later from this, there was a group of shepherds out in the field and angels began singing. Let me show you something. This is actually shepherd's field. My wife and I went there and I took this picture and I look at that and there's buildings. There's streets. There's cars. It, it didn't look that way back then when the shepherds were out there. 
just because it looks this way now, 2,000 years ago, however many angels can fit on the head of a pen, I don't know. But the host of the angels of God were in this field singing songs. And they were singing songs to a group of shepherds that were in this very field. And the song they sang was, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. That song was sung here. Well, you say, I don't see it. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. Let me help you understand this. The Bible says about Ron Sears, if I'm God's child, I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Can you see the Holy Spirit of God? No, you can't see the Holy Spirit of God in me. But it doesn't change the fact that the Holy Spirit right now, this moment, is inside of me. And Psalm chapter 34 says that the angel of the Lord encamps round about them who fear him. You cannot see it, but right now, this moment, I have an angel spinning around me to protect me. The fact that you can or cannot see it does not change the reality that the angel is here. Watch this. The angel just moved over here. Why? Because I came here. He's circling me. And if you're God's child, I can't see it, but right now, this moment, on every one of you that are sitting in this auditorium, right now, this second, there are angels circling all over protecting you and protecting me. How could we find fault and live in fear when we have that kind of atmosphere going on around us? You know, there was a lot of virgins in Israel at the time of marriage. She wasn't the only one, surely. Okay, I, there were more. What would have happened had Mary said, no, thank you? She could have. She had a choice. What, it wouldn't have thrown off the plan of God. He just would have gone to virgin number two, or three or four or five, whatever it is. But because she said, okay, you and I talk about the Virgin Mary, the mother of God. We don't talk about the Virgin Sally because Mary said yes. There were other men who were willing to be stepdads. Joseph was not the only one. He was a stepdad to Jesus. He wasn't Jesus' literal father. God was Jesus' literal father, according to Scripture. But he was willing to step in, and we're going to read a verse in just a moment that just, it would break my heart if I was Joseph. 
And yet he's willing to say, okay, I'll go with it. A lot of people saw the star. We don't know how many wise men came. We assume three because there's three gifts that are mentioned, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There could have been more, but there was at least three. A lot of other people saw the star, but these three guys left home and came to find the Messiah. Others could have, but they didn't. These three did. There were other barns where Jesus could have been born. The one that he, and by the way, it's not a barn like you and I think of barns. It was a cave. That is, that is what they did with their animals in this part of the country, this part of the world, is they put them in caves. Let me give you a picture just shared for just a couple of seconds. Go ahead to the next picture, if you will, please. This is the longest operating, standing church that claims Jesus Christ as its Savior. It, it was built in 300, dedicated in 333. It has been nonstop worship since 333 with everything that's going on. It's called the Church of Nativity. Back there in the Crusades, the enemies of the Crusaders came into this building and destroyed it inside. Go to the next picture, please. So what did the Crusaders do when they refurbished the building? This is now the entrance into the church. They made it so that you could not sit on a horse and ride into their church any longer and do destruction. And so now you want to go to the church in nativity, you got to stoop down on almost your hands and knees and almost crawl into that building to get inside. Could I just be so bold for just a moment and say there are a lot of churches that do everything they can to close the door to keep people out. That should never be. Because you want to come to Jesus Christ, he's got his arms and his doors wide open. And he says, come on, I'll take you. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Oh, yes, you do. I died for what you've done. I paid the price for what you've done. I want to give you a gift of eternal life. Come on. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Don't you close down that entrance into Jesus Christ on yourself or on anybody else. Well, Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping? Do it with all the strength and energy God supplies. 
then when you do it with everything inside of you, then everything you do will bring glory to God. I read one article that said, be a first-rate version of yourself, not a second-rate version of somebody else. You do whatever you can for the glory of God, and He's with you till the end of your life. And He says, and if you do that, all the glory that all those angels sang about out on that shepherd's field, all the glory will come back to me. That's what I intended in the first place. Well, Peter also wrote, and he said in chapter 2, verse 4, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he has chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. I wrote a, read a devotional that said, brick by brick, life by life, God is at work. He has entrusted you and he has entrusted me with key tasks within his kingdom. You and I need to do our part, which is to examine the tools that God has born us with and we are to discover what that task is. And your ability unveils your destiny. How God has gifted you unveils your destiny. A couple of thoughts and we'll be closed. When God gives an assignment, He also gives the skill but there is your obligation to hone the skill that he's given you. You see, David did kill Goliath, but only after he had honed his skill by killing a bear and a lion. When God has a need, he provides a solution. I, I, I need a virgin for my son to be born. And Mary is provided. We've got three nosy wise men. They want to know what's the purpose of this star. And they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is tried by fire and becomes very soft and malleable the more pure it becomes. Frankincense is a perfume that was used in the sanctuary in the Old Testament in worship to God. And the myrrh is the peeled bark of cinnamon, pulverized and made into an oil. You've also got the excited shepherd boys. I don't know how many there were, but they got excited about those angels singing. They said, let's go see. And they went and saw, and then the Bible says, and they went and told everybody. You see, there are some things in life you just can't hide any longer. You just, you got to pull it out and say, can I tell you what I've seen and what has happened in my life? 
when God walks with you and around you and in you, there are just sometimes that things happen that you sit there and say, only God could have done that. And those only God could have done that moments, the world needs to know about. Share it. It's not for you to hide in the recesses of your heart. There's the accepting stepdad. In Luke chapter 2, I told you I'd read about this. Because they assumed that he, now Jesus now when I'm reading in, in Luke chapter 2, he's 12 years old. They've been to the temple to, to do some worship. Because they assumed, his mom and dad, assumed that he was, he, Jesus, was among the other travelers. The King James Version says they went a day's journey. So Mary and Joseph leave Jerusalem and they travel one whole day and they don't have Jesus. And they don't even recognize it other than, oh, he's with the other relatives. Verse 45. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem. That's now two days. They were one day out of Jerusalem. They went back to Jerusalem two days, not knowing where their son is. Put yourself into that mama and daddy's situation. Verse 46. Three days later, that's now five days. Five days, they don't know where their son is. They finally discovered him in the temple. Verse 48, son, his mother said, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic. Verse 49, Jesus' answer is, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? And he's not talking about Joseph. Step-parents, moms and dads, please hear from one that may be a little bit further down the line of history than you are in life. There are times that your children may rip your heart out. So now at this moment, when you know where your kids are, when you know where they're safely kept, right now this moment, would you start giving them over to God on a daily basis and just saying, God, here's my gift to you with my children. They're yours. You take care of them. He can do a far better job than you can anyhow. Well, you also have the herald named Hark. It's a joke. Hark the herald, the angel sang. Okay. He says, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, and suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven, the Bible says, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. Um, talking about the gold, frankincense and myrrh, somebody had to mine the gold. Somebody had to smelt the gold. 
Somebody had to make the frankincense. Somebody had to peel the bark and smash it up into an oil. God's purpose for you may be secondary. You may not be the wise man going to see him. You may be the one who peeled the bark. The issue is not, did baby Jesus personally receive your gift of gold from your hands? The issue is, did you prepare the gold to be placed in his hands? One person I read said, if you can't be the poet, at least be the poem. I love that. Not everybody can be the poet. You can be the poem. You are not called to do everything, but you are called to do something. If everyone does what they are called to do, then everything will get done. Edward Everett Hale wrote this, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do something that I can do. You're only one. What can you do? Whatever your hand finds to do. I want to close with this illustration. Jesus Christ is standing at the temple with his disciples. They're going in to worship. I've made reference to this before in conversation with people. I just want to bring it here. And as people are coming in, the affluent took all of their money, and in front of everybody, they cast their tithes and their offerings in as before they came into the church service. There's one little widow lady standing over there inside, and she waits until everyone's in the church. And she waits until the singing starts with very humble heart, head down, totally embarrassed. She walks over to the offering plate, and she puts in what is equal to less than one penny of our money. It's called a widow's mite. I don't know if you paid any attention to my necklace. I wear this every day. I never take it off. That is the size of a widow's mite. It's smaller than my pinky fingernail. That's all she had. And she gave it. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, she has given everything she had to live on. She gave it all.
Now, here's what I want to challenge you to do. When you came in, sit down to your chair. Hopefully, you saw this piece of paper, and there's a penny that is hot glued on there. I painted it red so it won't get lost with other pennies that you may have in your purse or your pocket or your piggy bank. Here's what I want to challenge you. If you're willing to just say to God, I'm yours. I, I don't know what you want to do with me. I will trust you to open the right doors. I will trust you to give me the, the wings you want me to have. I, as poor as I am, I give you me. Now, I don't know where that's going to lead you. I, I don't know what opportunities God's going to open for you. But if you're willing to take that challenge, then I ask you to take this penny, put it in your pocket, put it in your billfold, put it in your purse, put it in your piggy bank, and every time you see that red penny, just remember you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. That is the gift that only you can give. No one else can give that gift but you. And God's saying, hey, here I am. Would you? And I'm asking you and challenging you, please do. The journey is worth it. It's worth it. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we come to you today. Speak to every heart here. Oh, God, challenge us. If the widow lady would give everything she has, surely we can just say, here we are. We're yours. Use us. Open the doors. I'll walk through them. We love you. We thank you for first loving us. In the name of Christ Jesus, I ask these things. Keeping your heads bowed, please. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor Church as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and the world around us, you can visit harborchurch.com backslash give, or you can text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.